Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit DestinyDayton.com. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I tell you what, I am so excited about 2022. I really feel like uh, God has given me a word uh, for today, for the last couple of weeks, actually. I'm, I apologize. We had some technical difficulties last week. The message last week didn't get uh, broadcast and recorded. Uh, but uh, I, I want to just I just want to share today that this was I, I had something different in mind for this week. And somewhere late week, the Lord just shifted what I was going to preach to, to totally something different. And you see the ministry of humility. And I, I want to talk about the ministry of humility and how important this is. And I want you to I, I want you just to just to grab this here. We're going to turn in our Bibles to Luke 14, verse 7. That's where we're going to start. Last week we talked about, in fact, the last few weeks we've talked about creating wineskins for revival, creating wineskins for a move of God, and wineskins are so important. Jesus said you can't pour new wine into old wineskins because the old wineskins will burst out. So if you care anything for the old wineskin or the wine, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. You put new wine into new wineskins, and someone correctly once pointed out, I, I love this thought, that wineskins uh, all have something in common. They all have been freshly dyed. They've all been freshly killed, right? New skin, new dead leather, right? And one of the most powerful new wineskins that we can apply, that we need to walk in, is humility. Is humility. And I'm telling you, I had this sermon just, I mean, about completely done. And I, I ran across a prophetic word from my friend Jeremiah Johnson. I want to read this to you because I believe this is very germane to what we're going to be talking about today. I was laying in bed last night, like oftentimes I'll go to sleep listening to podcasts, and I heard a preacher talking about the key to revival is humility. They said if you walk in pure, if you don't walk in purity, then you're going to walk in the flesh. If you don't walk in humility, you're going to walk in arrogance. And if you walk without a strategy, you're going to walk in vain. And I just thought, man, there's that word about humility again, and how important it is in the body of Christ, and how this relates to fasting, and how this relates to prayer. It's all connected. And I want to just start by reading this prophetic word by Jeremiah Johnson. How many remember Jeremiah? He's been here at the church mm, two or three times over the years. This was his dream that he had. A proven prophetic ministry, if you've never heard of him. On January 1st, 2022, I had a prophetic dream where I found myself in a room of a high-stakes poker tournament. The date 2022 was very visible in the room with a special emphasis on the last two. The way that I read it in the dream was 2020 times two. At the table was a key American political figure and five well-known ministers. I noticed there was also one seat at the table with no one sitting there, an empty seat. The last hand was dealt and the political leader had two aces or what can be known as pocket rockets. He immediately went all in. He wagered all of his poker chips and all of his cards without looking up. One by one, all of the famous pastors seated at the table folded their cards and walked out. And as they walked out, in walked a man 
who had the empty seat at the table. I did not recognize him, but I noticed he was wearing a t-shirt that said remnant. He sat down and pushed all of his chips toward the political leader who was shocked he had sat down at the table. They both flipped over their cards. The political figure had two aces and the unknown remnant person had a full house and one. Suddenly a lion came into the room and devoured the political leader. Upon waking up, the Holy Spirit said to me, 2022 will appear to be like 2020 in many ways. Fear over the virus and economic concerns will abound. Many churches and ministries will continue to fold and bow down to intimidation, political correctness, and hidden agendas. However, it will be the full house of the remnant that gathers, the unknowns at the table who will push back against the plans of the enemy to mimic and copy 2020. You must call the bluff and you must move forward with courage and confidence. From this prophetic dream and encounter I had on January 1st, I am convinced that 2022 is going to have the feel of 2020, especially in the early part of the year. God said fear of the virus and economic concerns will abound as many people struggle with sickness and fear again in 2022. And there's going to be another attempt by the enemy and a political spirit to intimidate churches and pastors, causing them to fold. Do not be surprised if churches, conferences, and corporate gatherings start being canceled or shut down or pushed back just like they were in early 2020. In the midst of the fear and intimidation, God wants to encourage his remnant that a full house is the only hand that has the power to overthrow the plans of the enemy. 2022 is not the year to isolate, be divisive, or allow the enemy to create a vacuum in the spirit just like he did in 2020. We need saints and leaders with boldness and courage to call the bluff of the enemy in 2022 and not give in to fear and panic over the virus and economic uncertainty. Unity, humility, and purity are going to be so key this year for the remnant of God. I read this after my sermon was done. I just want you to know that. Just like, wow. Houses and gatherings full of prayer, unity, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit must be a primary focus this year. If we are going to create a wineskin, my friend, and I just say the big C church, the American church, not just our church. I feel like this, this is a word for every church. We are going to have to really embrace and take on the ministry of humility. Again, last week we talked about the wineskin of increasing our expectations of God. And this week I want to focus on another wineskin that is crucial, and that is humility. I really appreciate what Sarah said a few moments ago. She had no idea I was preaching on this topic. But she came up and talked about what? The need to die to ourselves. The need to fully surrender. And I love this because we talk about you know, giving our lives for Christ. We like to quote, and I like to quote, the verse in Revelation that said, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, loving not their life into death. And we say, you know, we got the first two. Maybe the third one will happen someday. You know, maybe if things really go south in America, we'll have to give our life for Christ. But I would argue, my friend, that we actually give our life every day for Jesus Christ. If, if, if we're walking in humility. The Apostle Paul said, I die Daily, I die daily. I surrender all daily. 
Humility is expressed in several ways in the Bible. And I, I, I promised we'd read this and I, I need to read this. I don't have my reading glasses so you can laugh at me. I'm going to have to stand back from my Bible so I can see it. No reading glasses today. All right, here we go. Luke 14, verse 7. How many are there? Amen. Yeah, would you want to stand to honor the reading of God's word? That's always a good practice. I'm so glad this church does that. I, I think that's always good to do. How many know that's a form of humility? Because it's easier to stay on your seat, right? <laughs> that's way more comfortable. But it puts me out a little bit. A little off-putting. I have to stand up again. Well, you don't have to, but we're choosing to. That's the beauty of it. Verse 7. Then when Jesus noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. He said to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. Because a, a person more distinguished than you may have been invited by your host. I, I love that perspective. There's probably some people around me who are greater than me. Right. I think that's Philippians says that, too. You're going to esteem others greater and better than yourselves. So here's a scenario. Right. And we're clearly talking about a people that I'm in connection with because I'm at the same feast. I'm at the same party with them. Right. These are people that that, you know, uh, are at least local to me. Right. Similar to the body of Christ today. And we're sitting here. Jesus said there may be someone who comes in that was invited. That is greater than you. That more distinguished than you, that you may have been invited. And so the host who invited both of you will come to you and say, hey, give this man your place. Then ashamed, you will begin to move to the least important place. But when you are invited, go and take the least important place so that when your host approaches, he will say to you, friend, move up here to a better place. Everyone say friend, move up here to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who share the meal with you. I love this. And this, this, these, these words are repeated several times in the New Testament. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The one who exalts himself. Now, we get some, we get some funky meaning from that if we're not careful. Probably no, no one we know would say they exalt themselves. Oh, of course not. Of course we don't do that. But when you dive down to the heart of things, to the attitudes behind things, that's, that's when we start to get real, right? That's when we start to uncover what really is in our heart. And sometimes I've discovered, you've probably discovered it too, that, that sometimes people that have uh, uh, this sense of, uh, I don't want to say modesty, but this sense of uh, it, humility uh, that they, they, they have this public persona of, oh, I'm nothing, I'm just a worm. It's actually kind of a false humility. Because it's, it's, it's trying to look humble. It's trying to look less than. It's trying to look. And so we even have to be careful about that. Because in trying to look humble, we can fall into the category that Jesus said. You know, if you're going to humble yourself and fast, for example, make sure no one knows you're doing it. Because by the time fasting came to Jesus' day, it was just like a spiritual merit. And Jesus said, yeah, you need to fast. And my disciples will fast when I'm gone. But his harsh words for the religious people, you're only fasting to put on a show. In other words, you're only trying to look humble because it, it's a spiritual check mark in a box that you want to look pious and you want to look humble. 
So we have to cautiously check our heart. You may be seated, by the way. You guys are awesome, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word. I pray let it explode inside of us today. In Jesus' name, I pray. So here in our passage, Jesus illustrates the ministry of humility for his followers by a wedding feast. And he's specifically speaking of an, of an approach to living in the body of Christ. It is a ministry that we're all called to. If someone says, well, what's your ministry? I can name one for you right off the top. And this is universal across the board. Number one, ministry of humility. That's what God has called me to do. The ministry of humility. See, nowhere in the Bible are we told to pray for God to humble us. In fact, I would argue that would be a kind of a dumb prayer, wouldn't it? Because you're inviting some judgment to come into your life. It is far better, and it's the biblical command, that we, in fact, humble ourselves. Hello? Humility is not a work that God does in us. It's a work that we do ourselves. Obviously, God empowers us to do it and God gives us the grace to do it. But I want to tell you, it's clear from Scripture that humbling ourselves is something that we do to ourselves, not something that God does to us. And if God humbles us, then look out, something horrible probably happened. Give you some biblical examples of that. Think of the King Nebuchadnezzar, right, who (laughs) bowed up against God and he spent a few years eating grass like a cow. I would call that pretty humbling. Goliath. I mean, you can go across the board. Goliath, you know, mocking God. Calling out God's people. Yeah, And his head became a doorstop, right? So you don't want God to humble you. That's why the call for believers is we've got to be in this ministry of humbling ourselves. We're told repeatedly in Scripture. And that's why I say it's a ministry everyone here is called to perform. And I will say this, without it, we won't have revival. We can have hunger, we can have expectations, but I want to tell you, if we, without humility, we're going to be operating in arrogance, and arrogance repels God. The arrogant soul will repel the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I want to, I want to show you a couple of, couple of points here from this passage. Because I want you to see this today, that if we aren't changed, 2022 is going to look like 2021 for us. We talk about, you know, the beginning of the year, it's always a great time to say, hey, let's have the best year we have ever. And you've heard me say, well, unless you have the best year spiritually, you won't have the best year ever. And I think everyone agrees with that. It starts with a heart thing, right? And there's a certain amount of transformation God obviously has to do to us. But here's a piece that we need to apply to ourselves, and that is moving and coming humbly before each other and before the Lord. Because really, that's the two areas that we minister humility to. We minister humility to each other and we minister humility to the Lord. I just told you my whole sermon right there. I ain't done, but I had that bit. Right? So here's what we learn about humility in this passage. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Humility is the correct way to relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why Jesus said, hey, instead of walking in like you own the joint and coming and taking the best seat, Right? You can modulate that, translate that into modern times. How about you come in and like take the worst seat? 
How about you come in like, you know, everyone more worthy than me of that? How about, and not in a fake way, not in a, not in a self-righteous way or a false humility way, but in a genuine way that we genuinely believe our brothers and sisters alongside of us are counted more worthy than we are. Humility helps us stay in unity in the body of Christ. And I will say this again, without humility, not only there's no revival, but without humility, there will be no unity and there'll never be any reconciliation. Unity and reconciliation is a byproduct of humility. Amen. For 2000 years now, Christians have attempted to fulfill the Great Commission. And here we are still trying to fulfill it. And by this pace, we might have it done another 3,500 years. And the reason is the church has become so splintered. And the reason the church has become splintered is we've got denominationalism going on. There's racial tension. There's gender issues. And probably the latest, and may I say the dumbest division, is mask or no mask. And people are getting their feathers up and they want to fight over a stupid piece of cloth that some people put on their face. Listen, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. But shut up about it, all right? We're not going to pick fights and have divisions with brothers and sisters because we choose to put a piece of cloth on our face or a piece of gum in our mouth or what, you know what I'm saying? We can find all kinds of reasons that, and we've been real good at it, not not this church, but a lot of Big C, right, has been real good at finding things we disagree on. And let's go for it. Politics was an ugly one last year. Let's find something we disagree on and then we go to seed on it. And we'll just, oh, we'll just divide on this and we'll divide on that. I want to tell you, my friends, we must come into unity. And the only way we have unity is by reconciliation. The only way we have reconciliation is through humility. Humble yourself. Humble myself. You know, the world has a really good question. How can we reconcile them to God if the church cannot even reconcile between themselves? You know, we're called to the ministry of reconciliation, the world to God. I've said this, I've said this years ago, but this is so true. And I'm not just talking here again, this is the big C church, but what, what, why would we want to bring people into a body, anybody? Where, where there's not reconciliation, where, where there's not peace, where there's not unity, right? Why, why would we want to, what's going to attract the unbeliever into a community of people? That was the, in the early days of the church, that was the thing that was attractive. That's where, that's like the Amish community. That's where they kind of have it right. It's a closed off community. I get that. But there's a group of people that are saying the same thing. They, they're loving each other. They're living in peace. And, and, it, and there's a part of that. I'm not saying it's all correct because it's not but i'm saying there's a part of that is what the early church was there was this idea if we're in unity and we're reconciled and there's a humility that flows in a body that when people walk in they can leave the divisiveness of the world behind they can leave racism from the world behind they can leave the the argument over stupid things like masks behind and they come into a place where people love each other and they see people that are black white hispanic some people 
people have masks. Some people don't. It doesn't matter. But look at them. They're all hugging each other. They're all coming together and worshiping Jesus Christ. They're all loving one another. That is what the world longs for. That's what Jesus was talking about. He said, the world will know that you belong to me by how you treat each other. Humility. That's a fair question the world raises. Because reconciliation implies relationship. And again, Jesus said it's how we treat each other that will cause the world to know that we belong to Him. Jesus' longest prayer in the Bible is Him praying for the unity of His followers. John 17. And He said, Father, make them one as we are one. I think this is where we might misunderstand unity and reconciliation and how humility works with this. I've often heard all my life, you probably have too, we need to come into unity. We need to be unified. Well, that sounds good on paper, but I've learned and you probably learned too, unity for the sake of unity never, ever, ever, ever happens. No one will ever say, oh, we're supposed to be in unity? Well then, here we are. Never happened. Anytime someone says, hey, hey, let, let's, just, let's be unified, it never works. And the reason is genuine unity is a function, not an esoteric idea. So therefore, reconciliation and humility is the work of unity. It's the roll up our sleeves and get to work part of you. I'm in unity, so I go to my brother and sister when there's something wrong. I don't just say, we're in unity, brother. No, no, we, we practice that. Unity is functional. It's not just a pie in the sky idea. That would be really great if we could be that. Humility is the proper spirit that drives the roll up my sleeves attitude. Jesus' statement here, honor others in the body over yourself. It's because humility empowers unity. And just as unity enables, disunity disables. We have a very thriving and powerful deliverance ministry here at Destiny. I was thinking of the scripture this week in Luke 11, where Jesus had cast a demon out of someone. And, and some of the crowd wasn't having it. They weren't believing in what Jesus had done. And this is what they said in Luke eleven seventeen. No wonder he cast out demons. That's where he gets his power. In other words, they were saying Jesus is casting out demons because he's in cahoots with them. And they're kind of leaving as a favor. Okay, got it. The Bible says in Luke 11 that Jesus knew their thoughts. So this is what he said. Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Some in the crowd were casting dispersion on Jesus. And they were accusing him of the power of casting out demons by the power of demons. But actually, what, what really was happening, that Jesus casting out demons was proof of his unity with the Father. Again, you see, unity is an action. There's a function to unity. We can't just tolerate and coexist with each other in the body of Christ. Listen, it takes humility. 
of considering others greater than ourselves. And this really is the heart of unity. This is what Paul said in Philippians 2. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, what? In? Seven of you got it. In? Humility. Be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. You know what? I like to think about this. Find someone in the body that you really disagree with and and just fix it in your mind that they're more important than you are. Because, you see, it's easy to find somebody you think is a bigger wheel or a bigger cog. Think, well, yeah, they're more important than me. No, no, no. I want you to find whatever in your mind. Don't go to somebody and say, I think you're the lowest. Don't say that. I'm not saying that. (laughs) Please don't. That wouldn't be right. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to, my point is, it's easy to think the big names and the people with titles and whatever. Oh, those are, of course I can say they're more. No, no. You find a person who rubs you like sandpaper that you disagree with and you go to them and you just think in your mind, they are more important than me. That's how Jesus wants me to see him. That's what humility is. There's a chance that their opinion might be right and mine might be the stinker here. I know in America, we we like to impose our Western thinking on other countries. And we think, you know, and we forget sometimes. Sometimes we have the stinking opinion. Sometimes our opinion isn't the biblical one. And it's easy to, you know, think people that are great. Oh, yeah, they're more. But you find the least. And think in your heart, you're more important than me. We must embrace relationship, love, respect, collaboration as a body we work together it's demonstrated it's demonstrated humility we work together we agree upon the cause we 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 humble ourselves to each other let's be honest uh, this is an area that we've all been strongly affected by culture So much so, it's difficult for us to recognize it. I really believe that. Many in our country have been driven by the the false prophet named Fred Durst from the 90s with with the, the popular song, It's My Way or the... You know it. And I know some of you don't like Limp Biscuit, but that you knew the words of that song. It's ingrained in our culture. If it's not my way... And it's the highway. That is not the kingdom of God. That is not the Jesus way. That is not the Jesus plan. We humble ourselves. You know, I was thinking about a great dessert. I was hoping she could be here today. Probably watching online. My mom makes a really great dessert. It's called crazy pudding. And it's neither crazy nor pudding, but it's delicious. I don't know why. I don't know why it has the name crazy pudding, but it's just ridiculously good. Now, I could point you to the ingredients on the counter. Right. We could get all the ingredients out and I could say, okay, there's the brown sugar, the flour, the white raisins, the baking soda, the baking powder, the chopped pecan, cinnamon, the allspice, butter, salt and say, there it is. There's the crazy pudding right there. And you guys would do what some of you are doing to me right now. You would chuckle. Because while all the ingredients are there, until you put them together in proper relationship with each other, 
and until they've gone through the fire together, until you bring them in the right amount together and put the heat on them, you will never have the dessert because the ingredients are not the dessert. They're just the ingredients. And I think sometimes in the body of Christ, we look at the ingredients and say, hey, we have something here. You know, we, 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 th- we've got the makings for this. So we've got the making. But the problem is they haven't been put in right relationship. They haven't been put through the fire. There's been no heat applied yet. So we live with the potential of unity. We live with the potential of reconciliation. But the missing part is the humility to functionally make it happen. Is this am I coming through loud and clear today? As Christians, we are to live functionally in these things. We must demonstrate love. We must demonstrate humility. We've got to demonstrate unity, not talk about it or point to it as a good ideal. I can preach sermons on humility and, and unity or whatever, but it's, it's, it's meaningless. You'll forget all about it by the time you pull in your driveway today. We have to practice this. We have to practice this to one another. Jesus, again, said the world would know that we are genuine, not by how we treat the world. We get a little off on this. We talk about the poor. We talk about reaching different people and segments. But but the, the emphasis in the New Testament was the, the poor within your body, the brothers and sisters you go to church with, the people that you fellowship with, the people that you worship with. Right. Church, some people think church is a big Pez dispenser where who's, people come in. We'll just give out twenty dollar bills. <laughs> Come on, come on. And that's the idea that many in the world have of the church today. And that's sad because as people come to church, they want one thing, money. The New Testament is clear. Jesus is clear. We take care of the widows and the orphans among us. We take care of our brothers and sisters among us. We come alongside when, when people have their house burnt down or, or widows that need grass mowed or whatever. Those are things we specialize in and those are things we want to know. When someone knows someone in this body who's suffering, we want to know it because we want to come alongside of us. And we want to, we want a minute because that is our mandate. That is the call that Jesus, because it's how we treat each other. Now, yeah, treat the people outside wonderful, too. That's great. Be at peace with all men as much as you're able, Paul said. But I tell you, there's a special calling within the body of Christ. We go a little extra above and beyond. Remember, it's kind of like that little that little touch of the Amish. We're going to take care of each other. Remember, Anthony Handy, man, you had that leaky tire a couple months ago. And I had, you know, I said, here, take my take my. No, that wasn't a tire. It was a battery. That's right. <laughs> it has a tire pump on it, too. I didn't tell you that. I'm like, here, take, I have a portable battery charger. It's wonderful, right? My battery dies in the middle of nowhere. No matter. I pull it out of my back, and I don't need anyone to jump me. I said, here, take it. I think I said, because this is what family does. I believe that God has called us to this to this. Uh, across the board, all of us, all the big C church, because he wants to show up in power. He wants to send revival. He wants to stir. He, the, he desires to move, I believe, greater than we want him to move sometimes. This is a wineskin. Add it to my hunger. Add it, my, add it to my expectation. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to humble myself to my brothers and sisters. I'm going to repent in front of my brothers and sisters when it's time to do that. That's all important. 
some of the most powerful services. I'm not, I'm not saying anybody needs to do this, but I've just said some of the most powerful services I've been in when people came to the microphone and, and said, I, I need to repent of something I've been involved in. When revival came to our church in Oklahoma, we, we had several services like that where people would come forward and you would blow, you'd blow your mind, man. You sat there and think, I can't believe they're saying that. But then again, in that atmosphere, that, that thought really, really never crossed my mind because there was this holy fear of God. There was this holy fear of God that I can't hide sin. I can't hide stuff. And I want to I humble myself and repent to my brothers and sisters. There's a time and place that it says in the book of Acts that they came and brought their magic books and all that junk and they burned it up. I think there's a time and place for that in the body of Christ. There's things you need to burn up, things you need to get rid of. Feel free to bring them. We'll burn them for you. But I want to tell you, there's something powerful about humbling ourselves to our brothers and sisters. And this is an important ministry that God has called us to, and that is humbling ourselves to each other. Okay, the second part of this I want to get to right now. We have the ministry of humility to each other. We also have the ministry of humility towards God himself. So humility is the way we must relate to God. It's, it's the correct way we relate to our brothers and sisters. And also, humility is the way we must relate to God. I think we need to be very careful how we present ourselves to the Lord. Primarily, the Bible says, <laughs> James 4.10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. 1 Peter 5, 6, and God will exalt you in due time if, if, if you, what? Humble yourselves under his mighty hand. Humbling ourselves to the Lord. One of the greatest ways we minister to the Lord with our humility. Are you ready? Are you ready? You, you want me to tell you the greatest way you can humble yourself before the Lord? Fasting. I think we've gotten off the mark a little bit. In, in our country in some respects with fasting for two reasons number one fasting is doing without food the hebrew word for fast means to close your mouth <laughs> uh, that's pretty self-explanatory when talking to people who talk too much talking about people not eating right close your mouth right here and number two we i, I don't know where we got on this idea that we're going to fast for this and we're going to fast for that and i'm like are we serving god or that blue genie that robin williams played in aladdin right we're going to rub the lamp here we're going to not eat so we can get something we want god <laughs> the genie of the lamp has arrived i have heard your fasting you have three wishes granted now that's not fasting it's interesting because most of what we know about fasting, like I said, by the time fasting got to the New Testament, it, it was like a, a religious, it was a, it was a gross religious check-the-box Pharisee thing. Even though it was important to do, just like tithing. See, people, people talk about, well, Jesus talked talk about tithing because he's, he's dealing with religious people who did these things so they could look good. He said, of course you fast, of course you tithe, of course you pray. You do those things, but don't do them to look like you're somebody wonderful. What we really know about fasting comes from a very interesting time in Israel's history. We call it the post-exilic time. In other words, when they were held captive in Babylon, they came back. And the first thing they wanted to do, you know, your Bible, your Old Testament Bible is out of order. It's not chronological, right? I, I, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi actually should be somewhere there in the middle. 
right? Nehemiah and Ezra and those guys were like towards the end because when they first came back, their first job was to rebuild the temple. And they had this amazing revelation. They said, you know, we could rebuild the temple, but if the glory of God's not in the temple, we are wasting our time. We want the presence of God in the temple. We can go through all the motions. We can put together a wonderful building, but unless the glory of God is in the house, we're going to miss it. And so this post-exilic time is when they start talking about fasting a lot. And it's really hard to decide what exactly they were fasting for until you kind of take it all in. They weren't fasting to get anything from God. They were fasting to humble themselves to the Lord. They were fasting as a way of saying, God, it's you we need. God, there's nothing else I want more than you. God, we can build a fancy church. We can have a nice temple. But unless your manifest presence is in the building, we are wasting our time. God, it's you we want. This is why we fast. And what's cool is there's really no instructions on fasting other than going without food. You can do it however you want. Skip a meal. Skip a day's worth, skip a week's worth, skip an hour's worth. I don't know. But we do learn that the primary reason for fasting was to humble ourselves before the Lord. Humble ourselves before him. Jesus, we must have his glory to fill this house. We can't build a temple and not have His glory. If it doesn't, we don't have anything but a nice building. That sounds familiar in America today, doesn't it? Got nice buildings, but where's the glory? Jesus. Lord, we praise You. Bless You, God. Here's what I know. 1 Peter 5, 6. And it's God who will exalt you at the proper time if you humble yourself under His mighty hand. Now, there's nothing wrong with being exalted. Don't, if God's exalting you, don't, don't apologize for that. Right? But let it be God who exalts you. And God will exalt you in due time if you humble yourself under His mighty hand. I believe God is calling this church, this body, to operate in the ministry of humility this year because I think this is a wineskin that will powerfully prepare us for an epic move of God and the revival uh, of our city and our, our state, our country that we so desire to see. If we can be a wineskin that welcomes a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I believe we should do everything we can to position ourselves in humility to each other I think we owe it to each other. And I know we owe it to the Lord. We've talked about this before. You know, we, we, we try to talk about spirituality in terms of how it just relates between us and God. But I, I would have to say, 
at least equal portion is how I treat my brother and my sister. And if I can't get along, if I can't solve problem, if I can't forgive or ask forgiveness, or if I, you know what I'm saying? If we can't practice this, there's something wrong with our spirituality. And I have to go back to the beginning question that the world asks, how can you reconcile me to God when you can't even reconcile yourselves? That, that's a fair question. That's a fair question to ask. Jesus said, those who humble themselves in our passage, those who humble themselves will be exalted. The referent, those who humble themselves, will have an action performed on them by God. They will be lifted up. They will be exalted. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible when you think about that. Which gives us the saying, the way up in the kingdom of God is always down. The way up is always down. Humble ourselves. You know, scientists, I, I think I may have shared this a while back, but scientists have found a, a musical note being played from deep space. Have you heard this in the news? You need a better news source then. <laughs> These kind of things are cool. There's a note being played, and it's just a constant. And it's, they, they're not sure where, it's just emanating from deep space. They don't, have no idea where it comes from. But there's a note that is emanating from deep space. And it's B flat. Which kind of to me sounds like B flat. <laughs> it's like a, a call to humble myself. A call to lower ourselves. Because maybe in some respects we've become a little too high and mighty. And I hear the words of our Savior that says those who humble themselves will be exalted by God in due time. I tell you what, I, uh, I want to mention this. This obviously goes with what I'm talking about, but January 16th through 23rd here at Destiny, we're going to have a week of fasting. And I'll leave it up to you as far as how you want to break that out. If you fasted one meal the whole week, that would be great, especially if you've never fasted before or you fast very little. If you would fast one time during the week, that'd be great. Some of you may want to fast one meal a day. Some of you may want to fast like we often fast here, uh, which is believed to be biblical also, <laughs> if you will, uh, sun up to sun down. Uh, we don't eat when the sun's up. And we eat before the sun so you can set your clock at 6 in the morning and, and get up and eat if you want. But once the sun rises, you don't eat or drink other than water until the sun goes down. And uh, the, the tip is it's really easy to do that in the winter time. <laughs> Very uh, June and July, no bueno. I mean, you're going to go a long time without food, right? So... Uh, this is an easy way for you to get a full day of fasting and say, hey, I did sun up to sunrise. And no one's going to say, well, the sun sets at 502, of course. But I want to call this entire church to a time of fasting. 
and you can fast a meal, you can fast a day, you can, however you want to do it. But between January 16th to 23rd, during the week, the office will be open during office hours. The sanctuary will be on if you want to come in. Maybe some of you want to come volunteer say, Pastor, I can be here at 6 a.m. I'll turn it on. And if you want to come early at 6 and pray, that's great. Uh, I'll speak for office hours. <laughs> I'll be here, and it'll be open. If you want to come and pray and dedicate some prayer time with the Lord to, to mix prayer with your fasting, which is what we want to do. But I just want to call everyone to fast that week. And uh, that Wednesday night, you know, we'll, we'll come together and we'll celebrate what the Lord is doing and, and uh, you know, see what God has for us and what God is saying. But I want to, I just want to encourage you, uh, again, resist the temptation of saying, now why are we fasting? We're fasting to humble ourselves to the Lord because we want him. We want his plan, his strategy. It's his future we want because his future is the preferred future. And so that's why we're fasting. We're not, we're not rubbing the genie lamp. We're not trying to get something out of God. We're not fasting for more people in the building. Or we're going to grow in 2022. We're going to have more people than ever. That's not why we're fasting. We want God. We're going to humble ourselves. And fasting is the best, biblically, it's the best way we can humble ourselves to the Lord. It's pretty amazing. It's an act of humility. So I want to encourage you to prepare your heart for that week. And God, give me, give me the strength, Father. Help me, to, help me to, to carry out what you're calling me to do. I tell you what, this is what I want to do because a church that's seeking revival is a church that ought to run to the altar every time we have an altar call. But I'm going to ask our worship band to come up again. And if you guys would just get that Ain't No Grave ready because I, Hannah knows that's my favorite song. And I know she did that because I love that song. Thank you. Thank you. I love that so much. But I tell you what, what I think we need to do is look at that as we're going to leave behind 2021, 2020. Let's go back two years. We're going to leave behind the trauma of last year. We're going to leave behind the failures of last year. We're going to leave. Are you with me today? We're going to leave behind all the junk, the chains of last year, the defeats. Come on, join me in this altar right now. We're going to leave behind the trauma, the defeats, the, the, the junk from the past. We're going to lay it down today and we're going to move forward in the Lord Jesus Christ because just as he came out of the grave, we're going to come out of a grave too today. We're going to come out of the past. We're going to come out of past defeat. We're going to come out of past trauma. We're going to come out of all the past junk that we've dealt with and we're going to face a new day with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, y'all. Let's lift the voice to the Lord. Jesus, we bless you. Jesus, we pray praise you. God, we offer ourselves to you today. Jesus, we offer ourselves afresh to you today. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.